welcome everybody to another episode of Bottom of the Bill. We got Taylor Roberts on today. Um, before we get started, let's do the cheers like we uh, normally do last night. I forgot about this. Here you go. Cheers. Just drinking DMD. Um, before we get started with everything also, we got a couple shows to announce. We got uh, May 2nd, we're doing uh, Side Hustles doing the Taco and Tequila Festival with LPT. Um, yeah, man, it's going to look. Be Easy and Mandala and Ben Strock, the full electric. That one looks really cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Is LPT from Jacksonville? Yeah. I didn't know that. They're like a legit salsa band from I, Jacksonville. Yeah, they're incredible. I just thought they, no offense, I just thought they were from South Florida. Yeah. They just, that's just what they sound like. It, yeah, like they do. Exactly. But I had no idea that they're from here. I thought they like came up here all the time. Yeah, I went to school with a lot of those guys. Yeah. At UNF. Yeah, they're all, uh, most of them are just really, really close friends of mine I've known for years. They're and, all super uh, talented, man. They are. They're all super talented and just super great human beings yeah know, just really good people um and then uh december 3rd we just announced that we're playing the orange blossom review so mark it on your calendar it's only eight months Let's away mark it on your calendar <laughs> it's blocked the weekend out december weekend of december 3rd in lake wales i think that's like central florida not entirely sure yet but We'll figure it out. Yeah, like a it's an outdoor, it's like a camping festival, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's the best time to go camping in Florida is December. So. Yeah, and uh, I think you got some stuff to announce too, right? Didn't they, uh, they no, announce? no, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. No. Not not until not until it's officially announced. So. They they announced today. What what, what did? I don't want to say it if I'm not allowed to say it, but. Hang they, on. They Wait. Not, did they, they really? They announced a lineup today. I worked, I worked the night shift, so I just woke up at 4 p.m. and then you came over. So I don't know. Good what, man. Good man. If, the, if that's true, I gotta check it out. Jesus Christ, Bill! I know more about your other bands than you do. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, I'm also playing Friday, uh, March 26th at the Garage from nine to one, and then Sunday, um, on March 28th at A1A Ale Works. Oh, it did just come out. Yeah, Greenhouse Lounge just playing Orange Blossom Jamboree. Welcome go, back. Bud. We were supposed right. to play. We were supposed to play there last year, and it got canceled. But look at us. Still, still got a, still got our slot. There you go. Didn't fall apart. You got anything to to announce, Taylor? Any shows coming? Well, this this airs on Sunday, so whatever yeah. you got going on next week. Well, uh, every Monday I play at a restaurant in Neptune Beach called Mezzaluna from six to nine. Every Wednesday I'm at Ocean Sixty from six thirty to nine thirty. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday every week, I'm at Salt Restaurant at the Ritz-Carlton Amelia Island. And that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 530 to 930 every week. Hell yeah. So uh, so we've been absent for a couple of weeks because I got the Rona. Yeah, what happened, bud? Uh, well, I was guess I wasn't as careful as I should have been. I, I, I masked up, you know, most of the time. No, you don't. That's such a lie. <laughs> I do mask up. Yeah, when? I did mask up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, I let it slip a couple apart. I, 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 I let it slip a couple times And I think I know where I got it I don't want to put them out like that Because they booked me a lot is it, is it the place that I was playing with Probably, you at? I was yeah. sitting right next to him playing And then you got sick from there I didn't get it when it got tested negative Yeah, and They had another scare uh, uh, negative again My immune system is shit I guess I think I, I got over it pretty quickly though I had like I had like two or three like real rough days And I wouldn't even say like real rough They just, It was just like I couldn't, you know, I was kind of, I was sleeping all day and then, uh, you know, the cough and all that shit. And then I was pretty much over it and just lounging around for two weeks. So do you think it's real now? I never said it was. I, I was not one of those guys. Okay. 
All right. Taylor doesn't know us very well, so when you say things like that, it puts a bad thing in people's head. I think he can understand. <laughs> it's all right. I've already judged both of you pretty hard, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyways, uh, glad to be back on the podcast and, and working again for sure. Uh, so, Taylor, you got a live al- album coming out, right? I do. Uh, release date is to be determined, but it was recorded live at the Blue Jay Listening Room a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, sold out, which, I mean, sounds impressive, but they're 50% capacity because of COVID. But uh, but still, it was a sold-out show. It sold out pretty quickly. Uh, had a standing ovation, did an encore at the end, everything, man. It went it went really well. I feel really good about awesome. it. Awesome. Uh, got a standing go. That's dope. What are the, uh, <laughs> what's the experience like doing like a live album? Because like there's a lot of pressure to get it all perfect, basically. I mean, was your last album li- a live album or was that? No, last one was, uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, yeah, no um, it, it was, yeah, that was a studio album. There were several takes and mistakes I could uh, fix. But um, yeah, this was kind of like, kind of a double-edged sword because like I knew there would be, it wouldn't. I knew it wasn't going to be perfect, but at the same time, being that it's a live album, I think it, you know small mistakes are pretty much more forgivable yeah. than uh, you know, say a really well put together produced studio album. You know. So did you did you feel like more pressure while you were doing it, or was it just like you were able to just knock it out and not really think about it too much? I think I was lucky because. You know, and I, and I think other musicians can probably empathize with this to a degree is that, uh, you know, I go through phases where, you know, I really just I, I just show up and play and I don't really care about, you know, the outcome or what other people are thinking or if I make a mistake or whatever. I just kind of let it go and let the music happen. But then there's phases I go through which are the exact opposite. Totally. Where, you know, I'm like overanalyzing everything and like every mistake I make is the end of the world and they're all judging me and I'm a bad person because I rushed this song or whatever (laughs) you know just stupid shit like you know but I was thankfully in a good spot you know at the time where you know I showed up and I played and I felt just felt good felt a lot of love in the room and um yeah it was it was a good time nice man and uh how do you have like any plans to 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 bring it to market is there like a strategy or you're just going to kind of put it out there and see what happens so i've got a really tentative rollout plan where uh so i had a a camera crew come in too they there were four 6k video cameras on me and uh so i'm probably gonna start out just by releasing like either a teaser like reel or maybe just like one song and uh posting that to youtube or, or the website or whatever and just seeing what kind of traction that that gets and then gradually release each song maybe two at a time maybe three at a time until the whole thing's out okay so, cool if that's yeah. a, that's like a like an approach i feel like a lot of people are taking now what they call it the, the cycles singles. cycles yeah that's, yeah that's what uh, uh nico was calling it from uh, real-time management yeah yeah, yeah yeah well this is but the approach that taylor's talking about is more of like releasing singles sure yeah. but i mean it's the same sort of situation yeah, like similar, give yeah. them something new every like couple of weeks or whatever otherwise if you put everything out at once like people are like eh, whatever you blow yeah. your load you know you gotta back, they'll be, they'll be interested as long as as it would take to be interested in one thing and then move on yeah it's it's kind of the goal that's what i'm seeing a lot of people doing i mean silk sonic you guys i'm sure have checked out the new uh oh. anderson pack and bruno Jesus mars oh Christ. my god it's unreal. so good <laughs> like unreal i'd be okay if they took another month i mean i don't want them to but you know like that song is just so freaking good like yeah, it, it just you know makes me clamoring for more and when i when i when i try to approach what i do i mean i do kind of hold myself up to that standard in terms of you know marketing and 
quality of product honestly i mean you know i try to i try to be as uh up with the times as, as i can be yeah so. i saw you're on tiktok now oh my god man getting on the tiktok train Me yeah too. yeah i mean i you know I, I thankfully got some friends who who do have my best interests at heart for uh for expanding my career and uh, and you know I, I guess it speaks to the attention span collectively of people who are listening to music i mean he's like yeah just post 30 second clips that's all you need it's all like, you okay do. well that's that's easy you know so. it's cool because it it, it it like you don't have to deviate too far from what from your brand you know what i mean right to do it it's mm-hmm. like you can like you have like your catalog of music that you do and then you can do little snippets of that and talk about your gigs and or whatever else it is that you're trying to promote yeah so it's it, I, I really i thought that was really cool because i checked out the first album okay and i really yeah. enjoyed your interpretations of all like these pop tunes and Thanks, just different different like the beatles stuff was all was great too thank you um but it's cool because you're able to kind of do like you're doing like the michael jackson tune mm-hmm. and then you're just playing the bass line and then you're playing like the like the melody and then you're also like talking to everybody oh yeah so like you're which is really clever how you talk about the multitasking thing right really clever right thanks man um but yeah man it's cool that you're able to kind of do that i wish like with what we were doing well like a lot of the stuff that i do at bar gigs is like uh 90s alternative rock and stuff like that it goes over well man it goes goes over over really well. well but it's not necessarily what i want to be putting out there as my brand right like on the internet you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like like for me i'm like in this weird place where where i want to utilize tiktok and instagram and i've made those accounts and everything instagram i've been on for a while but it's like trying to like add this new endeavor where you're like okay well what is my brand going to be outside of the gigging and outside of side hustle? Right. Now we have to kind of carve out this new, this other niche and like, where do you have the time and the energy to even do that when you're balancing all these other things, you know? Yeah, yeah but, for sure. No, that's cool, man. That you're able to do that. Uh, so is there anything different on this new album from the first one? Well, I think, uh, my hope is that it's not going to be quite as rushed of a project. I mean, I, you know, not, not to, you know, say anything bad about the first album i mean i'm glad people are still enjoying it but uh i was in such a hurry to have a product out there you know because i didn't really have anything other than you know my live gigs and and my youtube channel at that at that stage so i mean having something physical that people could you know purchase and and listen to uh was important but this one you know i've got the guys from nfs records okay Um, they did they did all the recording all the videography and uh i mean they they are the best in this area this region as far as i'm concerned man um ryan leroy is uh just a wizard you know the i I did a live stream down there a few months ago like right after covid hit and uh, it took him like two minutes to get the exact sound that i'd been looking for my entire career really yeah he's he's freaking brilliant man no shit man yeah so are you like signed with some kind of deal with them like a record deal or is it just that they're just helping you produce the 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 project so they're yeah they're just producing right now so it is going to be at least for now as of today going to be independently released okay cool Mm -hmm. awesome sorry as i take a sip my beer real quick all good um so i'm actually something i'm really curious about is the publishing and writing stuff when you're releasing an album because it's mostly covers on the album, right? It is. Mm-hmm. So what I've always been curious about what that process is like and how you, you know, make it so you're not getting sued by everybody. It's uh, expensive. Yeah, and it is. definitely <laughs> incentivizes me to write more because uh, I don't have to pay licensing fees if right. it's my stuff. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, with uh, with my first one, there were only a couple originals on there, but it was kind of a long album. There were a lot of there's a lot of songs on it. So I mean, obviously that increases the cost of not just production, but but the licensing fees, which I went through. Um, disc makers which i think they they go through the harry fox agency okay. which you pay a certain amount for the amount of uh the amount of products sold okay so if there's a certain amount of you know downloads or streams or whatever there's a there's a there's a fee there's like a flat fee oh. and so if i wind up blowing up i'll probably get a nice letter just saying hey you By owe us this percentage of what you just earned you know Shit, so I, it's just it's part of the it's part of the deal man i mean it's you know the music business is there's there's obviously good and bad things about it. But, totally, um, you know, uh, it's good for the artist because if you're on the other end of that, of course you want to collect your your Shit, royalties man. on that. You if know? I had written Billy Jean, I want to make some money off of that from other people covering for sure. it. You know, so for sure. Um, cool. Well, uh, you want to uh, give us some background on how you got started and and sure. uh, yeah, just your journey. Yeah. Um, well, I had a piano teacher come to the house when I was about four. That was when I started piano lessons. And um, that kind of went off and on for some years. But I but I started picking out a lot of songs from from records. And that was kind of like what what kept me intrigued and kept me interested. And I think it was 94, 95 when Green Day kind of blew up. Yeah. And, uh, like I wanted to play drums, man, which, you know. Who you know can't blame me for that. Trey Cool is one of the baddest like drummers in the world. For but sure, um, man. but my parents were smarter than that. They got me an instrument I could actually turn down while I was practicing. <laughs> yeah. So I settled on guitar. I'm eternally grateful that I did because I don't want to schlep a drum set to every gig that I play. But um, yeah, I mean I played punk rock for about two or three years exclusively. I had this romantic idea that I would just be working drive-through gigs. You know, in between, you know, fifty-dollar shows that you know at uh you know dingy hole in the wall bars and stuff and I, th I thought that's that's what i wanted to do with my life and uh but then the band broke up and i was like crushed and uh you know getting into high school i was 15 and started getting into led zeppelin and bb king and hendrix and uh you know things just sort of expanded from there um but when i was 17 i had a friend convince me to play in the jazz band in high school and that's when he introduced me to like Coltrane and Miles and Charlie Parker and Wes Montgomery, all, all of my, you know, heroes to this day. And, uh, and that's when I really went headfirst into jazz and, uh, you know, got a nice scholarship to UNF. Uh, I guess you could say I'm still in the 30 year, pro, uh, plan. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I've only got like maybe, well, I've got about two years worth of music classes under my belt. If I wanted to finish my degree, it would all be gen ed, and I don't really see much of a need for that. Right. With a bachelor's degree in jazz studies, I mean, if I wanted to actually utilize a degree in jazz, I would need a doctorate because that would give me a chance to teach at a university yep. or something like that, which I'm not really inclined to do at this stage. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's not – I've been making a decent living at this for 15 years now, and I don't, I don't see any reason why I would need to go back to school. Right. So especially to do something that you might not be passionate about, you know, teaching music Man. and out gigging and, you know, <laughs> writing records is a completely different dynamic. You know, the uh, the last time I set foot on a UNF, I think it triggered some PTSD just for me. Yeah, like, I, can't, I can't go back there. Either. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's an academic environment that teaches bebop, which is already kind of counterintuitive. But, right. yeah, I mean, it's like uh I mean, I'm friends with all my professors today, thank God. But, like, back then, man, I was this fragile little 18-year-old kid with, yeah. like, a, an easily, you know, crushable ego that, you know, I mean, my professors were not nice to me. 
yeah. were not friendly. And uh, and I, looking back, I wouldn't have changed a thing. But back then, man, I was just like, oh, I'll say it. The dicks guy, there, man. Yeah. I don't like them at all. <laughs> did you did you quit on your own accord, or did you did you fail out like me? Because that's uh, what happened to me. So. I'm not um, without, uh, without going too far into detail, you know, well, the last semester I had there, I mean, shit, we're on a podcast. It's yeah, an interview. Why not be uh, candid? I, um, be, be candid that, you know, um, so this was the fall semester of Oh nine and my dad had just gotten sick with pancreatic cancer. And so I just like threw my head in like head first into work and school. And so I took 10 classes that semester they were all music classes and some yeah. of them were like one credit some of them were no credits yeah, but I, I needed 12 credit hours to keep my scholarship that, that's what that just preaching the choir it's, I did the same thing it's pure evil what they do over there <laughs> but, um, but so I was doing that I was teaching guitar at FSCJ and I was also working part time at Starbucks and in the meantime just trying to you know juggle a personal I was life just, I was teaching piano shredders and I was delivering pizza at Papa John's and I was working a night shift on top of it and I was like I'll take 12 classes please thank you you understand you and understand I had a healthy man. addition to Adderall and I <laughs> failed out and I, that I was burned uh, out yeah man and um, I mean part of my story and I'm not secretive about this is I am in recovery I've been clean for nine and a half years Good now and um, but back then you know my dad died my professors failed me out of all my classes mm-hmm. because I would have rather been by my dad's deathbed than show up for a fucking jury you yeah. know <laughs> like obviously it's still a little salty about that but um but that's that ruptured my gpa and my heart was broken i decided to go out and just like fuck everything and like went went hard with the partying man like in in the worst way i'd ever had in my life and uh you know so i was kind of like floating around for about a year a year and a half until uh it finally got bad enough to where i was like okay i need to stop this or i'm gonna die like and it, it got it got really bad and so thankfully I knew like where to get help and and I still am very heavily involved in the recovery community and and you know so uh, so yeah that was that was probably the best decision I've ever made. even better than like choosing to play music because that getting clean literally saved my life yeah and, of course. and it's and it's caused my life to really sort of flourish since then what so. was your if you don't mind me asking what was your uh, your choice. Uh, more, more <laughs> was my choice. Yeah. No. If I never did it, it's just because it never got offered to me. You I know, that you. list is very short. I'll yeah. just say that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just pretty much whatever I could get my hands on to escape the, you know, the, the chatter, the, 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 the hell that was going through my head. You yeah. Know? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay alone with my thoughts, man. It was too much. Yeah. You know? And so. then like binging on shit. And then, like dealing with those crashes doesn't make things any better either. Mm-hmm. It's like that 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 shit makes it like it's one thing like when you're partying and like you're not thinking about it, but then you gotta deal with the fact that you're like you're not all there yeah. to fight off those demons that are already there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like yeah, it's it's quite a dynamic. I've definitely struggled with with shit like that in the past as well. Um, I walked yeah, I walked out of UNF with uh, I looked at it a little while ago. It was a couple of years ago. A one point three GPA. One point three. Yeah. Nice right. man. I uh, I was pretty good. I was pretty good in my piano class, and that's right. It. <laughs> Every, everything else, uh, I couldn't read sheet music, so that was big. I don't even know how I got the gig. Honestly, was, I was uh, like, yeah, just yeah, I'll do music. And yeah, then, Billy's in the classical program also. Yeah. Oh no shit. Okay. So I could, and I couldn't read sheet music, so that was. Super uh. <laughs> That's great. the whole thing. You sound yeah. like a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And they're like, "Oh, you're you can." I'm like, "No." Oh man. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it was a grind, man. It was like boot camp over there. So yeah, but who needs it? 
I don't Nobody. know. I mean, I figure if you want to make a living at playing jazz, you've already got enough self-hatred as it is. It's like, why, <laughs> why, why invite that from an outside source? Yeah. But, well, there's got to, there, there's, there's a lot, there's something about understanding your instrument in the way that a jazz musician does. Um, that just kind of makes you, if, as long as you branch out of the genre and you learn about other styles, it really helps you to, to master your instrument in a way that nobody else in any other genre can really do, you know, with, with that understanding anyways, because there's, it's from my perspective, it's like the more stuff that you're adding all this stuff to, to your wheelhouse. It's like, you know what to do in any situation when you're like, especially on guitar, just in my experience, well, when you're on the fretboard, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm here. These are all my options while I'm here. Right. And then you internalize all those options and then you can make them your own. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, to me, it's always the jazz guys that, that leave jazz that, that have like the, the biggest influence on me, you know? Yeah, I mean, the uh, sax player for the Rolling Stones is, like, one of the most killing jazz musicians in the world. Yeah. But he's, you know, and he, and he plays a lot of that shit live. Carl Denson. Them, yeah, I think that's, is that in it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, he's yeah. doing it now, so, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's just a badass, man. He's but an like, animal. But what I've noticed is that, uh, you know, once I've managed to sort of emerge from that jazz snob bubble, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I realized that, like, I finally came to terms with, like, you know, these people aren't going to, put down their filet mignons and give me a standing ovation for playing some fucking altered dominant scale you know right. what I mean so like right. um, but yeah I mean once I started playing you know Jack Johnson tunes and stuff that people were requesting it was like oh maybe this is like how I can make a living at this and this is why people are starting to call me more and you know um, and I learned to love that stuff you know I mean I love Jack Johnson you know I love John Mayer I love Oh, Obviously tell Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack and tell, all. You tell know. Bill yeah, about Bruno John Mars Mayer and Anderson Pack are great. B- yeah. Billy thinks John Mayer sucks. Okay, yeah. that's what he told me. Yeah. Okay, it's just it's just an, it's just annoying. Have you ever learned any of his tunes? Uh, yeah, we play a couple of them. Which ones? No. Uh, uh, waiting for the world to change. Okay, which one? Well, what else? Uh, that one's pretty. I mean, pretty mild. Yeah, yeah by comparison to some of his. Man. Uh, stitched up. That's another one. Uh-huh. And Him then and Herbie Hancock. What's another the other one called? One. The uh, do, 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 I don't need no doctor. Do you know that one? Okay, Schofield. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know, man. I I I had this. It has built nothing in. to do with his guitar playing. <laughs> it has to do with his. Uh, it's not about his demeanor and singing and his, voice and everything. His songwriting is what's impressive. More yeah. than he, his guitar playing is great, but his songwriting is where it's at to me. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I would put him both up there. I mean, as a guitar player, he's he's just one of the baddest motherfuckers out there. But he's like, great, yeah. Uh, but like, I have this built-in aversion to, uh, and maybe you guys can identify things that become really popular really quickly. Yeah, you know, and he was just like this. You know, I, I think No Such Thing was his first big hit. Yeah, which is a... And I was like, who's this freaking pretty boy with an acoustic guitar playing, like, three chords or whatever? It's like, man, fuck that guy. And then, it, But everybody's like, no, he's a guitar god. He's, he's amazing. And yeah. It's like, whatever, man. I put that away for a couple of years. And then I saw him on Austin City Limits, and he was playing Gravity. And he took, like, a three-minute-long solo, and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, you guys were all right, and I was wrong. Yeah. This, he's, he's incredible. And so I, I mean, I've I've learned a lot of his songs. I learned Neon, like that one. I feel like is sort of like his guitaristic 
sort of Mount Everest, you know, totally, that like yeah. most people want to want to learn how to play. But um, no such thing as another one, man. That's very very overlooked. I feel like I learned that one a few months back. Okay, and uh, the changes on that are just insane. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like not even that they're like crazy chords. It's just like why would you think to <laughs> play it this way, and why would you think to go to this place with it? You know, like it's just it, it like. I'm obsessed with people that that just like take songs like random places. It's why I like mm-hmm. '70s R&B so much. Is it's like yeah. they'll be like vamping yeah. on one chord, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're just going. Like they'll move it like half a step up and make it a minor or some yep. shit. You're just like, what? <laughs> and why does it sound good? You know what I mean? I need I need to revisit that song, man. I I gotta probably learn that one. It's so, a good one. You know. I think I just don't like him because he's so soft. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, come on, man. You can write write a banger or something. It's <laughs> like every single one is like a slow dancing song at a wedding. Every single one of them. Uh, fair enough. Can't be that. Fair enough. All right. It's like, all right, okay. Well, that's what they. That's on Family Guy. They just wrote on graffiti. That's enough, that's John. That's enough, Mayer. John. Mayer. Like, okay, like we <laughs> get remember, it. We get I was what you thinking are. about that the whole time yeah. we're talking. About I'm just like, yeah. That that's my whole deal with them. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guitar player. I mean, he 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 fit in great with the Grateful Dead, and uh, yeah, yeah, he took off with that. Yeah, that so was. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not knocking that he's a bad, bad guitar player. I'm not saying that. No, I know that's not what I'm. I'm not arguing his guitar just skills. I'm arguing his songwriting <laughs> skills. That, Stop. That's what we're talking about. That's Stop. what I'm talking about. Um, see man if if I may like that that brings up a lot of things for me and I'm not like saying this to try and like act like I'm better there but like you know as as a as a guy who loves traditional jazz like Miles and all that kind of stuff I I, I see somebody like Kenny G and I want to set him on fire yeah <laughs> but when I think about it you know the more I talk to sort of like my mentors and my elders and I'm just like bitter and resentful about like how is this guy a millionaire he can't even fucking play in tune and like you know <laughs> but what this one guy told me is like uh you know what he found something that works for him and he capitalized on that right so who am i to like judge or be angry with him about that we're all trying to just make it in this business right now yeah i don't listen to his music right but i'm not gonna be like fuck that i mean he's not he's not losing any sleep over like a facebook post you know what i mean of course he's probably wiping his tears with hundred dollar bills but um well it's like also i feel like there's this other element to being a musician uh, or really beyond musician like like there's this other element to being an artist you know and you and like what that entails like there's this whole mm-hmm. thing about like finding like you like you're saying Kenny G found something that worked for him and he yeah. and he, he kind of doubled down on it but that's become part of his brand and i think that's what makes him a great artist is understanding what his niche was and understanding his brand yep. marketing that brand and then selling millions of records mm-hmm. and it's like you know that 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 it's beyond just your your ability to play there's this whole thing that's enveloped in being an artist and when you pull all of those things off and you're a mediocre player it's like you're you're still a great artist yeah you know yep and that's something i've, I've learned only within the last year or so honestly it took me a long time to come to, to, to terms with that idea but that's just what it is and i and i think that's uh that's something that every every recovering fine arts major sort of has to come to terms with and it's not even really just you know limited to that i mean people who who put all their blood sweat and tears into learning their instrument you know practicing eight hours a day for years like then they see somebody like that it's like fuck that guy you yeah. know but um but yeah i mean if if we if we spend all the time we spend like like anybody you know trying to master our instrument and uh you know and we see people who don't do that become popular and get all these accolades you know there's immediately like well what why did i waste my time doing that you know? right but um 
But then again, it's just, it's luck. I mean, uh, Duke Ellington's got one of my favorite quotes, man. I mean, somebody was asking him what he attributes his success to. And he says, I think it's 90% luck. It's playing, it's being in the right place at the right time, playing the right music for the right people, you know? And that's what happened with Kenny G, you know? Right. I mean, that's what happened with Duke Ellington. That's what happened with Miles. Right. And all those guys, you know, so. Right place, right time. And they were prepared for mm-hmm. it, you know? That's yep. Was it when when opportunity meets preparation, when preparation meets opportunity? That's like the definition of luck. Exactly. I, I mean, love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, my phone was going off. Good, I forgot man. to silence it. Um, all right. So I want to talk to you about like studying under Barry Green and yep. and and all, uh, Keith Javor. Is that, is that how you say it? Uh, Javers. Javers. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He produced for like a bunch of jazz artists, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also Bunky Green. Yeah. So what was it like studying under these guys with the accolades that they have? So I was really lucky during those years to, it, there was like this nest of guitar players, man. We were all like buddies, but there was still like an underlying like competition. Sure. Like I'm going to get your, I'm going to get that, that part, that place in that band and like all this kind of stuff. But Barry, Keith and Bunky couldn't have been any more different, but couldn't have been any more critical for my development at the time. Barry was there to tell me exactly how it is, not sugarcoat anything. You know, if I sounded like shit, he'd tell me I sounded like shit, you know. Um, but if I sounded good, you know, he, he would he would compliment. And if every compliment I got out of him, like I ate up because I knew he wasn't blowing smoke. He was never one to do that. Yeah. Um, and it took like over a year for me to actually get him to say, like, hey, man, you sound great. It's like, thanks. You know? <laughs> it means a lot. We have to work for it like that. But, uh, and then Keith, uh, Keith and Bunky, I kind of just did these sort of independent studies, but I essentially bugged them until they were like, okay, yeah, come to my office. I got this time slot free. And, uh, what kind of studies were you doing, man? It was just sitting down and playing with them. You okay. Know, Keith is just one of the baddest piano players around. And, uh, he's, uh, he ran the, the jazz ensemble one, the top band there. And he whipped those guys into shape. It was like every rehearsal I saw him walk out of, it was like boot camp. They'd just be like exhausted and just Fuck. like, you know, but you listen to the records, man. And like, that's some of the highest level playing of any band. Forget about like collegiate level band. I mean, those guys are just knock it out of the park, man. Some of them still live here in Jacksonville and they're, and they're still crushing it. But, um, but Bunky is just like, man, like I just I'm, I I I get like almost emotional like talking about him. He's like Yoda, you know what I mean? He's like he's he's just got like such a warm like sort of essence about him. And and the couple of times, literally just two lessons I had with him, were like I, I will never forget how it went and and just how much value it had. I came in, barely any words were spoken. He's sitting at the piano. He's a sax player. Yeah. But he's sitting at the piano. He's just like, hey, you know, and like he'd start playing and then I'd start playing. And if I caught on to something he was doing, he's like his face would light up he'd be like, yeah, you know, and just keep playing. And that was just that was what the lessons were. Yeah. And that was just like a spiritual experience, man. I mean, regardless of how limited my my interactions with him was uh, where it was just. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those really magical kind of connections I was able to make with somebody. However, again, however limited it might have been. Um, and Keith, uh, Keith was a hard ass too, but like there was still like at the end of the day, he'd just be like, yeah, man, you know, like he, he would still be really encouraging. Yeah. Not that the other guys weren't, but, um, but, uh, yeah, he, he would call me out. He was not shy about calling me out on shit that I needed to work on. I think that's an an important thing when you're, when you have mentors or teachers that you're learning from that they have to be able to call you on the shit. Otherwise you don't really learn. Oh yeah. You know, like music is fun. Don't, don't get me wrong, but like 
it's really Billy and I had this discussion recently where it's like to me it's really fun when when you're nailing it you know yeah. and you only nail it <laughs> when you do the work yep and all all the bullshit in the back end like practicing and you know mm-hmm. taking the shit from people that that uh that are mentoring you or whatever it might be like taking the shit and going through it and then doing a show and nailing it that to me is like when it's the most fun i hate when i'm bombing like i don't want to be playing at all when i'm bombing <laughs> Billy, you have a bit, bit of a different perspective, though, right? I think so. What was my perspective? I kind of forgot. <laughs> you forgot your perspective. <laughs> I'm dead serious. So I just don't want to get it wrong. What you were saying, <laughs> what you were saying, like, is that you just want to be playing? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, you just want to play. And I guess, uh, but that's kind of different. I think that has to do with like where, like, uh, you don't care. Uh, like, I, I get as much fun playing at a festival that I do at playing at A1A Aleworks to like nobody. So I just want to play. Period. Yeah. Like, I don't well, because we were talking about like, I, and I you, think that. Oh, okay, that's what it was. And then that that kind of mindset makes you uh, be like, oh, if you bomb on stage you're like it's just another show like that's the end of it yeah it's but the it, end of the world yeah that's kind of what we were talking about because we were like it was i get so like when we're especially when we're doing like festival shows or we're doing showcases or mm-hmm. opening sets for Power bigger bands yeah. i get like i'm a nervous wreck beforehand yeah. you know i get that because i know totally that, that i know that, that we're be, first off people are there to see your product and the judgment on that product is is scary because that's what that's you you're writing this music and you're putting it out there Smart. and also the other bands with with musicians that are probably re- very good are watching you and they're judging you as well oh yeah and in my head i'm just like oh man this is a lot of pressure <laughs> and billy's billy's point is like it's supposed to be just fun like just music yeah. is fun yeah and i and my whole thing was like well i i'm enjoying it when i'm crushing it yeah if i'm bombing in front of these people it's not fun and that's why i become a nervous wreck beforehand because i know it can go one of two ways you know <laughs> yep yeah, yeah I, I kind of with you like yeah obviously if like every time you went on stage you bombed it wouldn't be fun yeah but at the same time like yeah you're in your own head way too much totally and, and so why are you even doing it then uh, because I, I don't want to work a regular job. Yes, <laughs> that's right. what it is. That's, that, that's absolutely what it is. That's what it is. And yeah, just <laughs> deal with the awful hanging cloud over your heads about it. You know, yeah. messing up <laughs> all the time. See, man, like I can totally respect like being so zen about it. Yeah, you know, exactly. like and that's that's a place that I that I am able to get to sometimes. You know, like if I'm lucky, like with the recording and like we uh, we played the jazz fest a few years ago and like beforehand we're just like cutting up and telling jokes and I was just like there's all these people out there I was like man fuck those people let's just go play some music you know and I didn't have a care in the world but then there's been times like at other venues where you know again I'll just not really be in a great mind frame and that can just affect everything like every single note that I play and uh, totally and I'll just feel like I totally bombed and just like want to get the fuck out of there as quick as I can you know, it's, after it's over. Man, you know? it's it's funny to me to hear guys like you talk about bombing or anything like that because I watch what you're doing and I, I can't even do like a fraction of the man. shit that you do. And I'm just like, what does bombing look like to somebody like this? Or it's like when guys like like I hear uh, Eric, you know, Eric Krasno. He played guitar with Lettuce and a band called Soul Live okay, as well. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He has a podcast and he talks about bombing all the time or like yeah. l- listening back to himself and saying how I wish I would have played less notes or like yeah. I've never listened back to myself and thought I should have played more notes. Yeah, <laughs> shit I, like that. I can I'm sympathize just like, with that for I'm sure. I'm just like, what to people like that? Like Krasno is one of my idols, you know? It's like, what does bombing look like I, i've never heard the guy bomb right you know i'm very critical of guitar players but that uh. just proves my point even more man if like the top guy is still going like oh i still bomb and everything like that that's what you just got to think everybody bombs i guess yeah and so 
what's the big deal? Have fun, and you probably won't bomb as much, or at least not care or think that you're bombing. I don't know. It's yeah, all, it's all. It's yeah, it's worst, all perspective. You're your yeah. worst critic, so totally. Be nice to yourself, and you might have more fun doing it. Anyways, on this episode of Therapy with Anton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, that's good though man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, 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 I mean that's a, that's an important topic I think that's critical for every artist to sort of explore and 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 unpack is like what is what's what's the end game here and like what's causing like why did I get into this in the first place yeah. you know at the first place I, I mean a lot of us just wanted to have fun and, and thought it would be fun for me it was an escape you know it yeah. still is to a degree which I'm sure most other people can, can identify with but like yeah there's always that sort of you know sort of like voice in the back of your head that that extra little personality that's like telling you that like no that sucked don't do that you know that's that's something that everybody struggles with i'm sure yeah definitely man definitely hey everyone just want to take a second to talk to you about one of our favorite music venues blue jay listening room blue jay is a space for true music lovers where every ticket is a backstage pass silence your cell phones enjoy a nice glass of wine or craft beer and be part of an intimate experience unlike anywhere else in Jacksonville. Hear national and local artists sing their original songs and share the stories behind them in a space carefully curated for the premier show-going experience. I personally have seen some of my favorite shows here, as well as having played with some of my heroes. Not only is Blue Jay a wonderfully unique experience, it has become a staple in the Florida music scene. Mention Bottom of the Bill on your next visit and receive 10% off your tab. Blue Jay is located at 2457 3rd Street South, Jacksonville Beach, and be sure to check out www.bluejayjacks.com for news, ticketing, and events. Um, okay, so I want to ask you, you did some tour, you've done some touring. A little bit, yeah. With uh, Christian Tambor, that's how you say his name? Tambor, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I checked out this guy's catalog, and he's an animal. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. So does he play drums also, or he's just mostly percussion? He does. Uh, he, I think he would say, and I, I, I don't want to misspeak on his behalf, but I've heard him play drums, man, and he plays his ass off. That's not really his main instrument, but his main instrument is vibraphone, but he also plays piano, like, brilliantly, man. Um, nice. And he's, uh, yeah, I thankfully, you know, we befriended each other back in Gainesville. We did a studio session down there with a vocalist, and that was, like, 2005, maybe, 2004. And uh, and then we reconnected. It was like right after I moved back to Jacksonville in 2009. He uh, he calls me up. I was in the store, so I didn't have my phone with me, um, which sounds strange. Everybody's always got their phone with them. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I go back to the car and I get this voicemail. He's like, man, your ass better be awake because I got something good for you. And it was a uh, it was a cruise ship gig, which was only three weeks long, which is not normal i mean most yeah. cruise ship gigs are like six, six nine months, months. Yeah. yeah and you're stowed away in the sardine cans at the bottom of the ship you yeah. can't fraternize with guests yep. you eat like you know cafeteria food sometimes and you gotta do cleanup duty also i've had friends that do that on ships crazy man yeah. doing all the safety uh safety measures and the uh what do they call them the safety protocols but uh but yeah we had guest status on the ship man and it was regent cruise lines which i'd never even heard of but they're like they don't have to advertise, man. They're like, uh, they're absolutely like top of the top. They're like the Rolex absolutely. of cruise ships. Absolutely. And nice. uh, it was like a Ritz Carlton on the, on the water basically. And so, um, uh, went and met him down at his penthouse in, uh, Merritt Island. We drove from there to Orlando, flew from, flew from Orlando to Atlanta, then flew from Atlanta to Tokyo, which is where the, the ship started. And, uh, we got to spend a few days there just hanging out and like doing the tourist thing. And, um, 
so we boarded the ship we played maybe 14 nights out of the 20 or so nights we were out so it was a paid vacation man oh wow they had a jazz club built into the ship and like yeah man i mean five course dinners every night and just just like having fun the rest of the time and that's so that, awesome that spoiled me man I, it's like i never want to take another cruise ship unless it's that or like yeah, better imagine, man. so um, that was your experience touring with christian uh with uh with christian yeah christian. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yeah so were you guys doing his original compositions or were you guys doing like uh, interpretations of songs so it was mostly yeah i mean it was mostly standards like some more modern stuff like pat metheny tunes and that kind of stuff too but okay. um but we had a vocalist so it was a it was a quintet it was him on piano or vibraphone me on guitar obviously ian goodman who's a i think he's a unf grad yeah on drums um elisa pruitt another unf grad on bass and then Susie park was the singer um, okay but yeah we all got along great man we all had snowball fights in russia and all that kind of shit so but uh still in contact with anybody from that christian definitely we did a little remote collaboration recently it's just uh you know it was just a a fun little thing we did and um but yeah he's probably the one i'm I'm still more regularly in touch with than than the rest of the group nice you plan on doing more touring with him i hope so yeah i really hope so man because i mean the dude is just i mean he's a great friend man first and foremost but he's super connected like he's in the circles with the marsalis family and right like, you know jazz at lincoln center he was the music director for penn and teller um, oh no shit he was a music director for julio iglesias for years he toured the world with him wow so, dude's uh he's a go-getter man and and he'll say like if your instrument is vibraphone it's not like your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. So you got to go make it like that's make your scene yourself. You I know? hope, uh, so. I hope, uh, I hope Aaron listens to this one. Cause Aaron, uh, our drummer, Aaron, you know, Aaron plots. I've heard the name. I don't know if I know him personally, but so it sounds he, familiar. He plays drums with us, but his real, uh, I think his more of his real, I don't want to speak for him, but I think more of where his passion lies is in vibe and, you know, percussion okay. and vibraphone and uh, marimba and that kind of stuff. It's beautiful, beautiful instrument. Man. Yeah, Both man. Of those are, are awesome. He's awesome a, he does some really cool shit with it too. He does not, not so much of the jazz stuff, but like, he's just got like a, like a, just very melodic and like cool way of, of doing what he does mm-hmm. with it. And his, also his like understanding of, of playing drums kind of gives him like a cool rhythmic approach or some of the stuff that he does. And, uh, but yeah, I know he's been trying to get some more work like that and trying to find like where he fits with it all. And it's, it's just one of those things where you got to just kind of make the, make the thing happen yourself, you know, sure. there's not really, like you said, there's not really a lot of opportunities for people that are playing those, those kind of instruments. I agree. And, um, I guess guys like you and me are pretty lucky because we play guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the most, accessible to the listener anyway to the average listener instruments out there and you know um but at the same time i mean you know being that i come from a pretty strong jazz background that that only constitutes about 10 percent of what i play right but people look at me and they look at the guitar they see the suit and the f holes and the arch top it's like well he plays his jazz you know i had one gig uh that was it was just a private party and it was at this venue where i was also trying to get a, a steady gig at and I didn't play any jazz standards, man. I was playing like Britney Spears and Katy Perry and Coldplay and like all this other <laughs> kind of stuff. And the lady in charge of booking was like, well, do you play anything other than jazz? I was like, Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> I just played Baby One More Time. That's not, you know, yeah. but. Uh, well, cause it's, it's also the sound. Sonically, it, yeah. it sounds mm-hmm. like jazz. Like yeah. I would, uh, even knowing that you were playing a pop tune, I would probably still call it jazz just because. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it, it like also some of the chords that you're playing 
are like maybe not traditionally what they'd be using in those songs so you might be right. playing them a little bit differently yeah and uh yeah so you definitely do your own interpretation of the tunes yeah and i mean it's definitely got the accent i can't seem to escape that um and yeah i used to i used to try so hard to like break out of that that label of like jazz guitarist jazz guitarist like man come on i I do other things you know but like it's like whatever people want to call me is like that that's that's on them whatever yeah you know, i just i play guitar you yeah know? i feel yeah so. and i'm sure you can play whatever you want like especially when you're not playing like uh, p- playing by yourself or like mm-hmm. you know you're playing like a what kind of guitar are you playing uh well the the guitar mainly plays a benedetto uh seven string seven string right? type, yeah okay yeah. Um, but you probably like can fit into a band situation yep. in mm-hmm. any style that you want to if you needed to I, I played with wedding bands i played with one be- wedding band called the royals for uh, oh, a couple yeah. years and you know dave smith played drums david smith he was played playing, drums. yeah okay I love dave man he's, he's one of the best guys that i know yep Yep. like insanely nice mm-hmm. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I actually talked to him this morning on the phone for a while is he helping you with your finances he too? is yeah. helping <laughs> my finances he's helping you too yeah yes yeah. he's um shout out to David Smith yeah, David one Smith the, look him up He'll one of the best money, drummers right? and also one of the nicest guys out there it's almost like man what's your agenda why are you being so nice to me <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> but anyway yeah he was playing drums Troy Buchanan uh, Billy Buchanan's son okay uh, was, was the music director and bass player but yeah it was it was fun I mean it was party music and and once I had all the all the repertoire memorized, you know, there's something so satisfying about like turning on the tube screamer and playing palm muted power chords, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, man. And, and then seeing people have the best night of their life, arguably, you totally know, in front of you. And so, hopefully, anyways, hopefully, yeah. Also, could um, be the start of the worst nightmare of their life. True, <laughs> very true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, man, we, we could talk about that if you want. That's yeah. another. That's a whole other therapy session, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I've been there, man. <laughs> so, oh man. Uh, Bill and I did a wedding band real briefly. Uh, I think did, we, we put, did we play any weddings? We played. Sorry, we, we you can't played, really call it a wedding. We band played play one corporate gig with them, and then we played okay. one bar gig in preparation for the corporate. We gig. played. We played. Uh, uh, what was it? That that Irish uh, place uh, off of Atlanta Boulevard on the beach first St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Well, then we we played the one other gig, uh, the the corporate gig with them. Yeah, we made more money on that one. But the funny story about that is they were so bad. Um, so 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 bad. <laughs> and uh, they. Um, they were like, well, well, t- just to get it right, we'll play the karaoke track behind every s- song and then put it on the PA. I've never seen a band do this before. Wonderful. And okay. then uh, we were supposed to like just play on top of it. Well, and it, and it was hard. Everyone because loved it. It was seriously. Har- everyone loved it. It was it, ridiculous. You know, I'm not mad. Why I not, played a right? solo on one of the songs though, oh, yeah. and like was I wasn't a hundred percent on exactly how they played it on the record. So I'm playing it. All of a sudden, I hear the other guitar solo going on behind me. <laughs> I was like, Oh no! <laughs> I was like, Fuck! Oh god! Nobody noticed. God, that was so bad. Do you have a do you have, do you have a story? To, you look like you're about to tell a story about a, a nightmare moment. Oh, um, I, w- I was more just thinking about like what what we had with the Royals, but uh, but now that you mentioned that, um, let me think. Uh, huh, I got a few. The first uh, one of the first live shows I played was at a place called the Civic Civic Media Center in Gainesville, and okay. it was we didn't get paid anything. I was like fourteen, but uh, you know I th- I figured we'd go in there and sound as good as Green Day, if not better, and like the sound was all wonky and i had a shitty little fender solid state amp and uh and there were just a bunch of drunk assholes who showed up and they were throwing shit at the stage and i was no. like trying to pick it up and throw it back at them and just like it turned into just this clusterfuck which i mean you know everybody's had those experiences but uh but i'm trying to think of like 
I don't know, man. I guess I guess I'm pretty lucky that I haven't had like. Well, no. Uh, okay, so I take that back. This wasn't a gig. This wasn't like a paid gig. But it was the last time I was in New York. It was, shoot, fourteen years ago, thirteen years ago, and uh, went to a place called Cleopatra's Needle, where they have like jazz jams every night that go till the sun comes up. You know. And so we're walking up there, and I hear this trumpet player. And I, I was told that Wenton goes and hangs out there. Wenton Marsalis hangs out there on a regular basis. I hear this trumpet player. I was like, oh, that's got to be him. Walk in, and there's a 14-year-old kid just Wailing. just fucking killing it, man. I mean, tearing the hair off of everybody's head. And I was like, gulp, here we go. You know, I got my guitar on my back, and I'm just like, all right, let's go play some music. You oh, know? my God. And so I'm sitting in the back. I'm, like, losing my mind, like, just just nervous as hell and the band the band leader who was uh letting somebody else play drums he's like he nudges me he's like hey kid you gonna go play it's like yeah sure you know and and so they call this tune this old standard called just one of those things and they called it at a new york tempo one two one two three i never heard it i never learned it i never played it and i just ate dog shit that you know in front of everybody and like everybody knew and like my friends were there and they were trying to be supportive and but that was like one of those formative experiences where like the whole cab ride back to brooklyn i was like man maybe i should just apply at tulsa welding school or something (laughs) it's like this at least there's a future in that but no i i made a point to learn that song in all 12 keys and you know nice. <laughs> uh eventually once i got over myself but that was like when you mentioned sort of nightmare musical moments that turned out to be a blessing in disguise you know because it was it was painful it was embarrassing it was humiliating and but it was formative at the same time you know well you can so. turn those situations into some into, into something positive yeah. if you mm-hmm. use them as learning experiences rather than like the worst fuck up of your life you know what <laughs> i mean I've had times where I've gone to jams and just like not know what's going on on stage. Right. And you know, either you, you go back and you learn the tune and then come back knowing the tune or you just don't go back to the jam. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause <laughs> exactly. like you don't want to go back and be in the same position again. Right. Like you get it, you get like one kind of get out of jail free card with that. Yeah. They, they let you come back and you're like, okay, we'll see where you're at now. Yeah. And then if you can't hang again, it's like, what are you even doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> go home and practice. Yeah. Oh man. So well thankfully I mean the the scene I've come across in Jacksonville is is really supportive man and I don't know if you've been down to the Blue Jay uh the, oh, I love, the Jazz yeah. Jam She's down there. One, they're Kara. one of the sponsors of the show. No shit. Hey yeah. Kara. How you doing love? Um she, that's like my sister. Man. She's awesome. That's, that's my heart. So uh but yeah they have the Funk Jam the three hosts and then the Jazz Jams every Tuesday and what I've noticed is that like you know I play in the house band um and like there's kids who show up i mean you know unf students and then amateur like adults and you know i mean whether or not they can play a lick it doesn't matter like they're so supportive it's yeah. still really encouraging i mean yeah please come back come back and play anytime you know and and you don't get that everywhere no definitely know? not and it's so, a little bit more cutthroat in the bigger cities yeah for sure for sure i uh i went to one of the jazz jams at blue jay i'd say if it was a few months back mm-hmm. Um, and Stefan and Stan were uh, part of the house band. I forget yep. who was playing keys. He was really Pro- good, though. Probably either Jonah or Aaron or Josh. Anyway, yeah, might have been Scott. I just a like, of them. yeah, I just like, I, I, uh, I'm so blown away when I see Stefan and Stan do their thing, man. It's crazy, like, man. One of the, one of the best rhythm sections mm-hmm. in that. Is, I mean, just in general, but also just in that style of music. They're yeah. so they just take it to so many different places and they just yeah. never lose each other 
It's crazy. Yeah, they're not afraid to to get as weird as they want, man. Yeah. Like, and that's the cool thing about playing with those guys especially is like if I want to go somewhere, they'll take me there and then push me even further. Yeah. You know? And even if I feel like I'm getting pushed off a cliff cliff or whatever, they'll still just like, all right, come on, you know, they'll, take, take, they, they won't like in. railroad me. You know, they'll take me back in if I get lost or whatever, yeah. but, uh, which is easy to do with guys of that caliber. But um, I, uh, I played, speaking of nightmare moments, I played a jazz fest with them. It was uh, Stefan, Stan, and John Parker Urban. Okay. And uh, it was the night, they all played great. It was a nightmare for me because like, I again had one of these moments where I just got like in my own head. And yeah. I was like, I'm up here with some with some of the you know best players in town, mm-hmm. and there's like all these people here from Jazz Fest, and it's like I better do I better like be as good or I'm gonna look like an idiot. And I bombed. They were all very nice about it and everything. Sure, but sure. I bombed. <laughs> it was like embarrassing. And John, John's like, look at me, take take a longer solo. I'm just like, please take this away from me. <laughs> just you go, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. And but I it, mean, I'm sure I'm sure I'm, you know, saying the same thing Billy would probably say is like, I, I, I promise you it's not as bad as you're telling yourself. It for was. sure. I mean, when something Charlie Hunter told me is like, you know, when when I'm playing, I hear things that nobody else is hearing and then they're hearing things that I'm not hearing. Yeah, at the same time. That's and very so, true. You know. It's- Good point. I don't know. What was it like working with him, by the way? You did like a master class kind of thing with him here? Well, no, yeah, that was when I first met him in person, but I had been like following his music and stealing everything I possibly could from him for years before that. But he did a, a concert at Cork and, uh, you know, he, he did a master class for a bunch of guitar players before that. And that was when I finally got to meet him in person and I tried not to fanboy too hard. I'm sure I probably did, but, uh, but he was super nice, man. And, um, you know, we kind of became friends over the years and, and I wound up opening for him a couple of times in Gainesville and we got to hang out and we still talk occasionally, but, uh, another guy who's just like almost suspiciously friendly, you really? know, <laughs> like he's that good of a guy, you know, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's been super encouraging, man, throughout the whole thing. And, um, he's been working a lot with, uh, what's, what's her name? Lucy uh, Woodward. Yes, yeah. man. She is so Fantastic, good, man. Yeah. I saw her with Fork in oh, 1904 okay, yeah. a few yep. years ago. Yep. Oh mm-hmm. my God, man! What a and like their out al- the album that they put out right around that time. Like every song was just so melodic and just just I was just a great band, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I wish they were doing more stuff. You know, um, oh, what's the dude's name? The keyboard player. I can't remember his name. Oh man, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna. But uh, they had Adam Scott or not Adam Scott. Adam, what's his name? Adams. Uh, he was from atlanta he was playing bass he's uh okay adams i can't remember his his full name right now and then yeah. i forget the drummer's name also and the guitar player from snarky puppy right and um yeah. <laughs> that that w- that's not mark latiri the other guy <laughs> right right, um, right right and uh yeah man it was it was a it was quite a show and she came in and sat in on a few tunes that's what i was getting at with that she, she's such a uh, the album that she put out recently or a few years uh within the last year or two is also pretty badass she's just uh i mean i, I as it seems to be the case with most <clears throat> most of my musical heroes that I meet or just most of the real top tier musicians, they're all just like such sweethearts on top of that. Yeah. You know? And Lucy's no different. Charlie's no different. I mean, they're all just such nice people. And that's been like 95% of my experience with meeting people of that, you know, in that sort of category. And so uh, then you don't buy into the idea of never meet your idols then. Not really, man. There's been one guy. That's it. Really, <laughs> really out of everybody's name. No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, but uh, but no. Um, 
I don't know if you know Doug Karn. Um, I don't think so. Organ player, piano player, jazz legend. He lives down in St. Augustine. Another guy who's kind of off the radar, but uh, but we worked together for years, and um, and I was expressing that to him, you know, and uh, just how like all my heroes, they all seem to be really humble and you know just cool. And he just looks back. He's like, yeah, you know, music's humbling, man. This shit'll knock you on your ass. You yeah, know? <laughs> I was like, yep, all right, yeah, you got a point. It's but also if you think about it, it's like you don't like you can't get very far specifically in that genre if you're not like a decent human being because there's nothing else really keeping you afloat. It's like the music itself isn't going to be enough to get you there. But if you're in the pop world, you can kind of get away with being a complete douchebag yeah. because you're if you're because you, they know that if if you're marketable, you can sell the shit. So it yep. doesn't matter. But in jazz, it's like. Uh, no one gives a fuck about the music that you're playing anyways. So you better be like a decent human being. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere in this industry. You I know mean, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when you're in the limelight as a pop musician, being a douchebag is almost like a selling point. You exactly. Know, in a lot of people's cases. But, uh, exactly. But yeah, like, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I've always felt that like having a good personality, being easy to work with and easy to get along with is like the most powerful business card you can have. Yeah. You know, and, and it, if it's genuine, you know, and I, and that's what I've found is like, you know, I, I'd rather play with the above average musician who's also a great hang than like a virtuoso who's a dick. You know what I mean? For sure. So, For which, sure. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I, I, I've been surrounded by just really great people for the most part throughout this whole thing so have you ever hung out with the below average musician who was a dick because they're my favorite <laughs> yeah are they <laughs> oh my god i'm just like this is ridiculous oh man yeah, that'll happen all the time Even yeah somebody just, with a big just, head and just being like yeah i'm fucking great at whatever instrument just, I play. just hang out at the jazz conservatories yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bro i've seen uh, i've gone to like jams and it's usually like old uh drummers or bass players or really old guys some of the old guys in general that that didn't like that didn't really do anything yeah. that think that because they're older yep. that they, they have know everything. That's like, what every, that's what every professor yeah. at UNF was to but, me. No, no, but, but, <laughs> but, but they're probably good lot, though, man. but they're probably good though. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus I just play one gig. As well. I'm trying to say, I want to see you play something and they don't. Well, I've had guys <laughs> at jams like, like playing drums or bass or whatever, like on like last dance and Mary Jane or something can barely hang on it. <laughs> and they, they want to get an attitude with me about shit. I'm just like, Bro, don't cop an at like I'm not the one. Like yeah. I know the fucking tune, right? And I can play three chords in time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like those are my those are my hands down favorite people. Yeah, they're just holy. I can't believe you exist. This yeah, is amazing. It's, I, I, I actually I've experienced yeah, I that several times, and it's mind blowing, man. It's like yeah. I'm almost impressed. It's yeah. like. I, I don't know what kind of world you live in, man, but I, like I'm impressed by the fact that you show up to my gigs on a regular basis and give me all this unsolicited advice. Oh my god! And uh, you know we'll keep practicing. You know it's like okay, and keep you know and, yeah, I get I, I used to get that a lot, and and even at like these guitar shows and stuff, I'd be trying out guitars, and then this guy, this old timer, would come up, not to be ageist here, of course, but like this guy three times my age would come up and play some bullshit and then he'd like look at me and chuckle and be like yeah you'll get there one you'll day get it's there, like kid. whoa <laughs> okay I, have, I hope not you know yeah I hope, <laughs> I hope i get to be a little bit better than that jesus yeah um i uh, I, I mentioned this on, on the show a few weeks ago but i played at this gig recently i don't mind calling it out because i'm never playing there again that, after, after, after that night but uh it was dick's wings in arlington 
Fair enough. Um, and yeah. that how, whole how did you, how did you reach the bottom of the fucking <laughs> barrel on that one? Yeah, well, so what this guy uh, I won't mention his name because he books me a lot, and he's also he's also an awesome dude, and I think he just needs someone to cover this gig. Woof. And so he was like, hey, and it paid well. You know, and I was like, it's like three hours or whatever paid well. And I was like, yeah, I can go and do that, whatever. And there wasn't one applause after one song that I played, which is not always normal. It's for you. (laughs) Right. It's uh, it's uh, fuck you. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes that that is just the case where where you're where where your wallpaper, you know, but it was also like this feeling of why is this guy here that was in the air? And I was and like sometimes I do read in things that was not the case here. These people were looking at me with such disdain. (laughs) And at, at the end of the night, so he's like, hey, man, so do you know, like, any Smashing Pumpkins? I'm like, no, I don't really do any of that. So, oh, you know any, like, uh, uh, Pearl Jam? Or, like, so, like, I was like, no, I don't do that. And then he was like, um, okay. And then after the show, after I was done, he was like, hey, man, so check out my, uh, this is what's on my, my Touch Tunes playlist. And it's, like, all, like, music that hasn't evolved or changed in 30 years. Yeah. It's, like, stuff from, like, the early 90s. And that's where it ends yeah <laughs> and he was just like, he was like so this is the kind of stuff that i like to listen to maybe ne- maybe next time you're here you can learn some of that you know but you know just don't worry. You'll, you'll get there man you'll get there i was like motherfucker mm. i've been doing this for over 10 i've been doing this for at least 10 years yeah i don't need unsolicited un- i don't need advice from you some guy who probably has never left this part of town <laughs> like ever you know what i mean that shit drives me fucking crazy so I hope you don't mind me going off script, but is this uh, kosher inside or not? Totally. Is, yeah, that, okay. is that no, no, it's just nicotine, man. Oh, no, okay. the other stuff, I yeah, I can't. Yeah, I feel you. Can't do that anymore. Yourself. You'll see me in the paper tomorrow if I mess with that today. <laughs> it's the um, slippery slope. I feel you. Um, were you gonna say something? Uh, Look, like you had another I mean, story. Yeah, it's just uh, it's funny how 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 many armchair gurus there are out there. You know, oh, I yeah. mean, for every. Uh, for every great musician out there, there's there's a hundred YouTube commenters. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Whether it's in person or literally on YouTube. Well, that, you that's know? my quote, uh, and you can, you can quote me on this quote. Uh, uh, the, the, that's the worst part about music is that everybody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good, man. I like that. Because uh, if, they, if it was just like just only musicians like music, like the same way that any other hobby works, like sports or, you know, it's like they – Nobody would give a shit, but everybody likes music. So. Yeah. What was yeah. that 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 one gig that you that <laughs> so you and I played? There's always gonna be somebody there. What was that one gig that you and I played, and it was like your first time ever singing a song in public, and you did uh, "Creep" by Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Was that is that uh, it's uh, Mellow Mushroom, I think, in Avondale. Oh yeah. And this and chick comes up to you and just straight up goes, "Boom!" Yeah, right oh, in my face. Right God. in your face. But it wasn't because I sounded bad. It was because the selection of the song. She because she, oh, she's like, play something, play, yeah. something current, <laughs> play something current. No, she wasn't. And she was hammered. And she had Peter. She pants, literally pissed herself at the bar. And hey. nobody was hanging out with her. But yeah, she, I, I I mean, that that's that's how zen about it though. I was. I was just like, I'm gonna, and she was like, while I was seeing you, just yelling boo and giving me a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. was just like, so funny. I like oh, every one of my nightmares coming true at once. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But I got down with that. I'm like, oh, I'm really glad that was the first time. You know what I mean? It's Consider only up, the source, it's uphill I guess. from the or downhill. How does it work? It's easier from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's easier so downhill. Yeah, it's down. But if you say downhill, but if you it's say bad. downhill, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. Huh. It was just gonna be the same. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a straight. Yeah, like that. But yeah, the, I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. The, no, the YouTube good, comments and everything like that. But yeah, that's the worst part about music is that everybody likes everybody it. Everybody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. 
Um, so when did you start getting involved with the seven string? What kind of took you down that road? Um, so I went to see uh, the Benedetto Players concert in Savannah um, in 2004, I think it was. And uh, there's this player, there's this guitarist named Howard Alden who uh, was really, I mean, there were a couple other seven-string players there. Bucky Pizzarelli was playing there, okay. and he's like, he passed last year. That guy was an absolute legend. His son, John, is just another brilliant, again, just as nice of a guy as he is, a brilliant musician. But um, but Howard Alden is especially really stood out because he was really just taking advantage of that extra low range of the instrument. And I was like, damn, I need to do that. And so, like, seven years later when I could afford one, you know, I bought uh, a Benedetto, the bass model, uh, Bravo is what what it's called, but it's a seven-string model. Is that seven-string tuned down like a, a five-string bass? It's so it's an a, a. Oh, it's an A. It's yeah, oh, wow. yeah. And so the, the Interesting. George Van Epps was the first sort of American player to sort of, uh, you know, kind of like the pioneer of the seven-string guitar back in the 30s and 40s, like way back in the day. And, um, and that's different than a baritone guitar? It is, yeah. yeah. So it's all standard tuning, and then the low A on the bottom, which I mean, it I've would never, stand a reason. I've never seen or heard that. Then it should tune to a B, just like a five-string bass. That would make sense. But yeah. I guess like jazz musicians are lazy, you know. <laughs> we just uh, you already know how the A string works That's, and how yeah, the chords evolution. are built off it. It's, oh, yeah. it's not that steep of a learning curve, man. Yeah. It wasn't, you know. And uh, but yeah, that at that time I was playing a lot of duo gigs with horn players and singers, and a lot more solo gigs. And I was like, why not just add a little extra you know octave or so to to what i can do so so i can just sort of round out the the sound and 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 the goal for me is to try and just sound like the whole band all at once on one instrument and that's kind of like as an accompanist especially a really important you know sort of tool to have in your skill set definitely so. that's like a fifth down so you got to be making these like giant shapes then, right <laughs> some of them that's yeah that's crazy to me mm-hmm. yeah i was like okay e a that's one two no i'm just kidding i bet it's, it's the fourth all the way up until you get to B again. Yeah. Man. Yeah, just don't look down, man. You'll be yeah. all right. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the advice that I got initially. So. Yeah. I got to see you play that. Is that the guitar you have in here? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, yeah. afterwards, I got to take a look at it. Yeah, for sure, man. Give it a whirl. Um, yeah, so was it like a whole different thing for you to wrap your head around when you were learning bass lines and doing melodies at the same time, or is that something you were already kind of doing? It, yeah, it was something that I was already doing to a degree. Joe Pass was was one of my sure. biggest influences, man, and he's just like the godfather of at least solo jazz guitar, and yeah. uh, and was sort of pioneered that walking the bass line and playing the chords at the same time. And so I had already gotten a pretty decent experience doing that. But then afterwards, like you know, depending on what rig I'm running through, like the low bass string can literally sound like an upright bass sometimes. So it's like I really started stealing all these bassisms from people you know just little little subtle things that like you know upright bassists would do and that that really rounded it out for me um so yeah there was definitely a learning curve on top of like the extra string right you know there was trying to make the bass sound more authentic at the same time was was the extra sort of sort of learning curve there something else i admire about uh about jazz, classical musicians too for that matter um jazz musicians and classical mu- uh, musicians people that like had to go through that process is uh your determination and your willingness to learn something new and do it the right way you know it's like a lot of like i try to do some of the baseline and melody stuff or self-accompaniment stuff for a little while and i just gave up on it i was like i don't you know, I'm like, it realistically, I'm probably never going to use this. So I'm going right. to try and focus my some, on something else. 
I guess you you are obviously using it and it's working for you, but just like your ability to like sit down and just do it and just learn it, you know? Yeah, I think uh, at least initially for me, it was like a mixture of being a purist and also like being afraid of it, which sounds weird, but being afraid of the unknown. Like I've tried using loop pedals, man, and those things just fucking... I don't know if I've got this like built-in allergy to them or something, but like, well, first I don't want to hear my mistakes being played back to me over and over. That's one thing. But then like, like I tried working with one and it just, uh, I I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty technologically inept when it comes to, you know, gear essentially. But, um, but I I think just because I had already worked, worked out that baseline and chord thing that was like, let me just like try and dive deeper into that, you know? Um, and there's a guitarist named Tuck Andrus, you know, Tuck and Patty. I'm sure you probably, uh, most, a lot of people know. have heard of him, but, um, but he's, uh, he took the whole Joe pass thing to another level and was playing Michael Jackson tunes and like all these other pop tunes that people recognize. And it's like, okay, well this is how, if somebody learns, if you learn how to play solo instrumental guitar, like in my opinion, you'll, you'll never be without a gig. You know, if you can put together three hours worth of that kind of material, you're good to you go. Know, you're good to go. Yeah. Know? And uh, he just happens to be the best at it, you know, out of everybody. He does more with six strings than I could probably ever do with seven. Really? um, And then there's another guy who um, reminded me of him big time. His name's Jake Reichbart, and he lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. His YouTube channel has, like, 600 videos on it. And it's mostly pop tunes, like, you know, rock, rock songs from the 70s and all the way up to, you know, Pharrell you know what I mean like yeah. he does everything and uh and I was really inspired when I when I discovered him on YouTube and I was like okay wait you can like literally arrange any song that has a melody onto the guitar and and make it like you know the whole band all at once and and make and as long as you make it recognizable then it's really a marketable thing to have yeah so. do you feel like some of the reason why you did that was out of necessity or was there absolutely just, really so you <laughs> yeah. didn't want to rely on other people anymore well i mean and not just not just being a solo musician but just learning that repertoire you know because he comes from a jazz background as well and uh you know I, I when i do think about it i mean it may be kind of like a loner sort of like approach to playing music but yeah when the club only has to pay one guy i mean you can make decent money doing it and totally. you don't have to worry about you know managing other band members or anything like that you know and so um so yeah that is the majority of what i've been doing for the past several years but uh do you miss playing with bands at all i'll take a pay cut to play with a band any yeah. day man you know and that's why that's why i love playing at the blue jay that's why i love doing you know even wedding band gigs is like the the camaraderie you can't you can't put a price on that you know yeah man I mean, like the jamming and like mm-hmm. just so when you d- you're doing mostly solo gigs then for yeah. cover stuff but mm-hmm. you don't sing i don't sing no and no. they li- and they still pay you okay <laughs> no offense i've been i've been trying i, I get I, it I've, no, gotten, I, I've gotten turned away they're like no 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 like we need, we want singers and everything like that but yeah and i you know i've i've definitely like been turned this, this away from better. a lot of stuff <laughs> too but uh awful at singing too no it's all good man i mean you know i i'm sure that if i did sing in in an even halfway passable manner i'd 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 like triple my marketability but like i i do feel like you know at the risk of tuning my own horn i've kind of carved out my own sort of thing here at least in this area where like if people want solo instrumental guitar like yeah you know we i know a guy you know yeah so that's kind of been my 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 calling card i guess you can say for the past 10 years or so now, do you know of any places where Billy can just go and wank for three hours on the keyboards without singing and get paid for it? Because uh, that's what you, that, we need to get Billy working as a musician full time here because it's just going to make my life easier. That's my goal. That's my goal this year anyways. 
So three hours of keyboard wanking. I don't want to name any venues. I'll just uh, I'll say they're out there though. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely a piano bar in St. Augustine that I've seen Mm -hmm. next to A1A. I've seen just solo piano guys, and they have a nice grand piano. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you should just call them. Yeah, I forgot about that place because it's been closed. Everything's still closed, but I am trying. I actually am getting better at singing, but it's still just like. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. It's not my thing. I didn't. I didn't start singing. Like I guess everybody starts singing when they're like a kid and everything like that. But I didn't work really hard to be a singer. I worked really yeah, hard to be yeah. a piano player. And that's what I'm good at. I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? That's like making a really great cake and then just smothering it with tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like for me, fucking uh, singing songs. So I don't uh, want to do that. I much rather like what that. But I was relating to how you play uh, with the the bass, uh, uh, bass string, the eighth, seventh string. That that's like piano, like a hundred percent. That's why I I learned how to play all those pop tunes and everything like that with the bass on the bottom and everything, which has hindered me playing in a band. And now I've gotten away from using my left hand at all for <laughs> bass, anyways. Staying staying uh, above C four and <laughs> never yeah. playing below it. Right, right, exactly. No, right. I think they call that pianist envy. Uh, yeah, like most, most guitar players have it. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of approaches. You know, a lot, a lot of my approaches wanting to sort of mimic a piano player, but you know, I can bend strings. So. I didn't know that was an option. I can just, <laughs> I can just play piano and not sing and do that. Absolutely, man. Shit, yeah. sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're also working on Billy playing up in the higher register as well. I think we could call did that. You just have like a is there is there did you just drop out right there? That's I literally did what I was just talking just about. Out. But I was, but. Uh, <laughs> If 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 guitar if piano players could could emulate guitar players more often, that'd be a cool thing to do. Yeah, as that's well. why we invented the synthesizer. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, they tried to with the guitar, but that's about as far as guitar. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I used to run a jam. Never seen anybody do it. Well, there's a story here. There's yeah. A good oh story yeah. Here. Okay. So guitar jam. No, nothing so crazy, but I used to run a jam uh, in Jack's Beach when I first moved to Jacksonville. Where? Uh, at Harmonious Monks. It was a Thursday uh, night shut blues down. jam. Yeah. And I used to run it. Um, with, it was me, a keyboard player. Uh, Aaron was playing bass, and then my bass player at the time, uh, Sean, was playing bass. Or Aaron was playing drums. Yeah, sorry. I understand what you yeah. meant. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but so on some of these tunes. This keyboard player would like walk away from his keyboard and pick up a, ki- a guitar and yeah. just start going ham with the most abrasive <laughs> sound. He's a great player. Don't get yeah, me wrong. He's good. a really good dude. Right. But just, so that's why I'm not mentioning his name. But like he would like bring this guitar and just start going to town. I'm just like, do you have ears? Because this sounds terrible. Do you know the history of the guitar? No. Do you know what, uh, uh, the first person to like kind of like come up with it was uh, uh, a synth player for James Brown, and they literally just took uh, like a, a Moog Prodigy, like I have sitting there, or I can't remember what it was, like a Moog Rogue, and they just made it so you can play it this way. Sorry, <laughs> no if you way. can't if you can't hear it, it uh, looks like you're playing a guitar. Sorry, yeah, but the, it weighed like thirty pounds, <laughs> and it's just like you're just hanging around your neck, and it there, it was just like you know like ten keys, and it's just stupid. Yeah, but I I don't think I don't think they I don't I don't know one person that does it well. Like it's just it just I just work. don't know why I just don't know why you, like you couldn't do it well if you could ju- if you can play keyboard just put the same technology into something yeah. that's like like that and then make it sound like that. Well, they that. already do everything. That I mean, like the keyboard and synthesizer came first and then the guitar came later. It's yeah. not like they invented anything. <laughs> no, I understand, but and why does it look sound so bad though? That's stupid. what I'm saying. Because you're only using one hand and everything like that, and it looks just so stupid playing like uh, uh, like this on top of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, with your left hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
it's down. I honestly, man, I mean, Chick Corea, rest in peace, and 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 yeah, uh, and, and Herbie Hancock. Here. I think they get a pass, but that's only like. Did Chick Corea play guitar? Yeah, he d- he did um, yeah, with his electric band. But like, if it's a two-hour concert, yeah, okay, you can play like one song on that. But please go back to the piano yeah. after that, you know. So I've been uh, uh, probably like a lot of people now. I kind of went back in and started uh, diving into Chick Corea after he passed, just because Man. I wanted to kind of mm-hmm. go deeper on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sh- I saw your interpretation of Spain. By the way, it's pretty oh. dope how you were able to do that. Thanks, I was about man. to ask, um, did he write that song or is that yeah. a, a jazz he original that that's, he came? Yeah, okay, cool. That's his tune. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never knew that. Um, I transcribed that song a long time ago, or n- not the whole song, just like the main melody yeah. the line. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking killer, man. Insane. Yep. Uh, so I just went back and I relearned it again yeah. because I just wanted to, you know, do the just just because uh-huh. and I started listening to all of Chick Corea's catalog and he it's like it's just I don't understand how his brain worked man he was such an amazing player it's absolutely one of a kind and yeah. composers and just like arranged just it's just everything about him man he was just like an, he's an alien yep. him and Herbie Hancock are just aliens yeah those two are in, in in that tier of like a handful of people who have ever touched keys like and Mozart, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like this, and the modern incarnation of that would be like Jacob Collier or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like that guy is just—I don't even know where his head's at. Man, that yeah. dude is just doing shit. I there was a him and I saw him and Herbie Hancock were having a conversation one time. Yep, and they're talking about like theory, mm-hmm. and and Jacob Collier <laughs> starts going off, and Herbie just like, yeah, uh-huh, uh huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it, it just took him a second to process how deep Jacob Collier was going with it. Mm-hmm. It's like Herbie knows all this shit, but it's just like, of course, the next generation is going to take it a step further. And Herbie's, I think, just took him a second yeah. to realize like how deep <laughs> he was going. I was just like, Have you seen where uh, he'll he'll be playing something and he'll MIDI record the notes that he's playing and he'll just write messages? <laughs> really? Yeah, like he'll write he'll write like uh, like a word. Oh out. yeah, no. I've Have seen you that, seen yeah. that before? I'm just like, what the. How do you do that? <laughs> how, how can you you're, visu- you're visualizing what the notes are going to look like in uh, uh, horizontal form? Because he's bored. That's all it is. He's <laughs> and, just, then, and then he just plays it. For and him. it's not like he's just playing random ass notes. It's like all in key or, or jazz or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> everything's in key with jazz. Yeah. Everything's yeah. a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's he's, very true. he's nuts. Yeah. yeah. And he could sing the 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 stuff he does with the harmonies singing too is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. That's what really I like as a, as a piano player. I'm just like, he's doing some crazy stuff, but it's not like these like huge like leaps of like technical crap. Like you see like these classical pianists playing like Franz Liszt or whatever, and like the or like uh, uh, up or something. And it's like the hardest thing in the world. Right. That right. to me is just like, oh my god, that's incredible. Jacob Collier, he he doesn't really do that, but he the 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 arrangements that he comes up with is is crazy. But yeah, have you heard his arrangement in my room? Yes. Oh my God, the yes. harmonies on that. That record, man, that was his. Fr- I think his debut record. But he has a, an original song on there called "Hideaway," and it's all stringed instruments and like some hand like percussion, like a. I, I don't know if it's a cajon or or what whatever it is, but it's like it's the perfect balance to me of like a song that could be popular and accessible to the average listener while still doing like five against four rhythms and shit. Yeah. Like, that, like nobody has any idea what's going on. They're just dancing, you know. Right. <laughs> like, but. But it's got enough appeal to the average listener and, and like plenty of appeal to the, you know, prolific musician out there too. Like, right. So that's kind of like the mastery of of using odd times is making it sound like it's not an odd time. Yep. 
Yeah. You know, that was something uh-huh. that I learned really early on. I used to, one of the first bands that I formed was uh, with a friend of mine. He was like a prog drummer, but okay. also like studied jazz and all that. But his thing was prog rock and, and also funk. So he, he was just like, uh, Gavin Harrison is his favorite drummer of all time. He was from Porcupine Tree. who okay. has like a book on rhythmic illusions and all this shit. So we'd be playing like I, at this time I could barely play like like I could barely solo at all, and I'm like playing uh, like sim- I'm writing simple four chord songs, and him and the bass player at the time was like a like a jazz uh, studies major at UM, and uh, they would just go on these tangents behind my singer songwriter tunes. <laughs> I'm just like, but then like they, we'd sit down afterwards and he and he would tell me he's like the key to odd time stuff is that you want to make it sound like it's not. In an odd time, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he'd show me like these tunes. That he was like these electro, these EDM tunes that he was producing, and he was like, "Check this out." He'd be showing me all this, you know, five over four kind of polyrhythmic shit. Yeah, and it's but mm-hmm. it's like you couldn't even hear that that was happening. It was so like hidden, and it's so because then like your ears catching something, but doesn't know what it's catching, which is cool, you know. Yeah, um, and I feel like uh, like Vinny Caliuta is like a master of that. You yeah, know? like. Uh, and I didn't really start getting into like Sting until I was probably in my mid twenties, but I was like, "Holy shit, this is heavy!" Like, oh this yeah, is some serious shit that he's doing. And like, yeah, that guy fucks. You know, he's got a what's that? Nah, that, that, guy, that guy fucks. That guy sure. fucks. <laughs> Sting's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I realized it's like okay, maybe he isn't just marketing to like you know women in their fifties, but like you know, because <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a badass musician, man. He did a whole record where it's like almost all the tunes are in odd meters, and yeah, like, there's this one that's in seven. It doesn't feel like it's in seven, you know. It's like uh, he, uh, him, and 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 Kenny Kirkland and uh, fucking Vinny, man. I mean, yeah. these guys are just magic. Have you heard? Uh, um, he was on a uh, one of Herbie's records. They did a he did a collaboration record. It was uh, the Imagine Project. Mm-hmm. I think it was either on that mm-hmm. one or it was on Possibilities, where uh, Sting did a song. They did a song called Sister Moon. Sister Moon. Yep. That is some yep. um, funky ass six eight shit, man. It took me forever to, to figure out that that was in six eight. There's uh yeah no you you're right it almost it doesn't feel like it but it is yeah and, it's so crazy and I mean Sting's just his vocal work on that tune is, is particularly is just like man there's like layers and layers of like what he can do vocally, totally you know he's such an underrated musician i feel mm-hmm. like he's not an underrated songwriter in the sense that people give like he's got his accolades like he's he's like a world-renowned songwriter and obviously sure. the police but like as far as his capabilities on 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 the bass and just mm-hmm. across the board like, he was kind of like prince yeah you know like prince yeah. is another one of those guys that could just kind of do whatever he wanted on whatever instrument he wanted yep um it also had like this might be another unpopular opinion. I can't stand Prince's voice, but he's one of the greatest musicians of all time. Absolutely. And also had technically an amazing voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's very unpopular. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should write that one down for, another, for, for yeah, one of no the other kidding, episodes. Man. Um, yeah, and there's this other, I mean, not to go off too far on a tangent, but there's a too musician late for named us. That, Hey, all right, we're already there. <laughs> we're there. Um, Raul Midon, have you heard of him? <laughs> so he's on the Possibilities album, and okay. uh, they do a version of I Just Called to Say I Love You, the Stevie Wonder tune, you know, which is just like one of his most basic, like, bubblegum pop songs, but man when i say they completely reinvented to be a totally different song like raul is a he's a blind singer songwriter guitar player but he plays his guitar like a drum almost okay and he's just 
I mean, if he was just a guitar player, he would be one of the best guitar players. If he was just a singer, he would be one of the best singers. If he was just a songwriter, you know, but he's all three, you know. He's like he's like the best at all of them. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. But uh, but no, he's um, they do a version of that song that's just like. I mean, I'll, I'll have to send you a link or something. Yeah, but, but it's just so I, beautiful, man. I have that record. I've probably heard the song. I just mm-hmm. don't remember it. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, the the uh, the Imagine Project and Possibilities were so uh, revealing of a lot of artists. You yeah, know, very much. Uh, John, John Mayer too. What about John Mayer? Yeah, yeah that's the stitched up. <laughs> stitched yeah, the song up, we right. do. Yeah. Oh yeah, I actually, I do like that song. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I love the bridge too, where it does like these the two these five two one fives all, yeah. all the way back to to A. It's kind of cool. Um, but uh, um, also John Legend and Pink did that uh, Peter Gabriel yep. tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't give up. I think it's called. Yep. That's oh the my. One. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't. Pink I, I, really? Yeah, man. She's I, a badass, bro. She is a straight badass. Oh my God. Like I listened to that song last time. I listened to it. I probably teared up honestly, mm-hmm. just because like the two of them together. And I didn't realize how how amazing of, of a singer she was. I knew she could sing. Obviously, mm-hmm. she was very successful and like i kind of liked her image and, and her brand like when yeah, i was younger was like, she's kind of like a like a badass chick you like know? the how the eyes and exclamation mark yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good branding that's good branding yeah <laughs> but uh I, I just didn't realize how talented she was as a singer as well i, I never knew either what's this i don't even know the song she does uh but whatever it's, a, it's a, that song don't give up by peter gabriel uh, I think that's what it's called, and mm-hmm. uh, her and John Legend do with Herbie Hancock. Yeah, I'm not like sure that's that's hitting the top forty though. What was what did she get famous singing? Oh, oh uh, man, god damn it! Yeah, shoot. exactly. <laughs> I was really young when she was when she no, was. No, I big, do, so. I remember too. Isn't it? Like, I'm coming out. That's right. Is that so her? You better get this party started. Yeah, oh, that was that it. was that one too. Yeah, I'm I remember that one. Yeah, just like a pill. That was another one. That yeah, she, uh, yeah, that was that was a great song, man. I can't I can't remember. Anyway. Um, pink. Uh, well, Full circle. Back to pink. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tasted heaven in a glass? Do you pine for the hoppiest brews and palest ales? Do you like food? If so, then Wicked Barley is the oasis that your mouth has been wishing for, walking into the complete barren wasteland that is your life. Wicked Barley is located in Jacksonville, Florida, nestled on the banks of Good Beast Creek. Wicked Barley aims to provide its guests with a wicked experience, offering over 18 house-brewed beers, ciders, and meats on tap. They also have an expansive gastropub-style food menu, including burgers, salads, sandwiches, and more. Whether you are a newcomer or a craft beer connoisseur, there's a little something for everyone at Wicked Barley. Visit them at 4100 Bay Meadows Drive and tell them Bottom of the Bill sent you. <laughs> um, Alright, well, you guys want to get into some unpopular opinions? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're gonna go back and forth, and then you just think of one at, at the end. If you haven't been thinking already, we've already you said we've already said a lot of unpopular opinions. Okay. Today, but no, shit. I've got I got. Well, we save the best left. for last. That's yours, but oh uh, well, we'll anyways, see. Who 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 left it out? You know what? Welcome back to the podcast. He's been he's been gone for what three weeks now? Two weeks. Well, three it'll be three weeks, weeks yeah. when this comes out. Yeah, I know. Because he's been sick, so I'll let you go first. All right, thanks. What a, what a guy. Yeah. Um, In and Out burgers are not that great. I, no, I've never been, so I don't know. That might not be a great one because they don't even exist on the East Coast. So Why don't uh, they exist on the East Coast? Because just, they're not that great. Just put one over <laughs> here. Like um, not even in New York there's not one? All right, no. so they're consistently above average. I'll, I'll put them in that category. Oh, you had in and out. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so like that was that was the one one of the main things my girl and I had to do when we were over in uh, uh, California. Beach. Yeah, like uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, there's like three menu items. There's yeah. like the burger, the fries, and the shake. And it's, it's like, it's real simple, man. Yeah. And I see him back there making the fries with this crazy like potato chopper thing. And I don't know. It's an experience, you know. It's, it's an not experience. something I would eat on a regular basis. And you got to wait for like three hours in line to get through. Uh, yeah. Because they don't no, run that, that shit bad, like Chick-fil-A man. does. I'll say that much right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, I've been craving Chick-fil-A for like ever. There's not a close one in Riverside. It sucks. Um, mine, is, uh, first one is TikTok is okay. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. It's, it's I okay. enjoy it. It's, it's funny as it's fuck. It's fine. It's fine with me. I was uh, super against it, and then I gave it a shot. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, I'd it's say, okay. I'd say, given the current trends, <laughs> it's, okay. I'd say it's, it's just a pretty popular okay, opinion. Huh? I'd say, given the current trends, it's a pretty popular opinion. It's okay. TikTok is taking over. It's yeah. the new. It's the new thing. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay, so my second unpopular opinion is. Uh, which, by the way, I just created a TikTok. Well, I've had it created for like a year now. I just haven't uploaded any content. Why is it called but TikTok? But I'm just uploading I'm, content I'm not now, down so with follow my me. <laughs> why, is <it> called, <laughs> why is it called TikTok? I, I don't, don't understand. Know. It has nothing to oh, do with the clock. So I get it. So, so, so Andrew Schultz, you, are you familiar with Andrew Schultz at all? I know the name. Okay, he's a really funny comedian and runs a po- has a podcast, several podcasts. Anyways, he had a he had Alex Jones in the podcast oh, recently. Cool. Yeah, I gotta it watch It was that. so fucking wild and funny. But uh, Alex Jones goes like, "Oh, they call it TikTok because it's China uh, telling America that they're running out of time." Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. That makes sense. Wow. <laughs> Does TikTok, TikTok mean something in Mandarin or something? I don't no. know. <laughs> Could also be Cantonese though. Don't be don't be so uh, narrow minded, Bill. They speak two languages in China. For real. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> They're like, <"Fuck>, really? <laughs> um, my second unpopular opinion. Are you done with your opinion, Bill? Or can we move on from your opinion? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Uncut Gems is probably Adam Sandler's best movie. Yeah, I can think like... On Netflix. I, I like that movie a lot, but he's... Uh, most annoying person in that movie. I don't like him at all. Well, I didn't say I liked him in the movie. I just said like his. Oh, that's the best movie not, he's been in. That's yeah. It's the best movie that he's done. Yeah, probably. I haven't seen it. That that's recent, right? Yeah, it came Couple out like beginning of quarantine. It's really okay. good, but you have to like sit down and pay attention the whole time. You can't like put it on and be like, look at your phone and everything. Right. Like, Which I like movies it. that are involved that you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I don't know about anyone else out there. It's but. really good. Nothing. You, it's like uh, you'll never – you'll watch a movie and you will have a panic attack watching it. Yeah. It, that's a whole it's, – it's, they make the movie to make you uncomfortable. It's like okay. a new genre. Of so movie. like Requiem for a Dream, It's kind like of that. like yeah. that. Yeah. It's yeah. actually – yeah, it's very similar to that. Have you ever seen that movie? No. He hasn't seen anything. He's never seen, seen Star Wars. Just no. it makes sure for a dream just sounds really depressing. Sure it's got somebody oh, for who sure can like hold you for like an hour after you watch. Yeah, that it's movie, the most man. depressing it's movie of all it's, time. It's that's rough. that's why I haven't watched it. Yeah, I need don't. to like constantly. Need like, to. I just I can't watch a movie that's gonna put me in that state of mind. I won't be Yeah, actually, I would recommend don't watch. it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. If you're having a good week, don't watch that movie. If you're having a bad week, especially, don't watch that. movie. Yeah. Maybe I don't know what to tell you. All right, my second one is uh, I wish I wish the radio would come back to the way it was like back in the '90s and stuff like that. Where uh, nowadays it's like you can just stream stuff and everything. I think that's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like you you there was something about like having the radio on and being like, oh fuck, check out this new song. And then I don't know, it just made it more special. I feel like uh, there's so much music now. I'm you don't get that like special like Christmas morning feeling when like your fucking song comes on. You're like, fuck, there's no way I could have listened to this song except for right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, and you're like, yes, yeah, so I'd fucking blast it. Yeah. Like I miss that. 
So you like it? You liked it when there was the, when there was gatekeepers. You like the gatekeepers. Well, and now that now I'm like older and realize like oh shit, like they were like fucking uh, whatever they wanted to show you. They were in charge of everything, and that's why it's fallen and, and gone to like next to nothing now. I've, it's, de- I, it's so much more decentralized. I understand, but like at the same time, like I wish I wish there was something like there, that still. But there is still it's, it's gone. Look, you at can't Sil- bring it back. So Sil- I mean, Silk Sonic just released a new song, Who? and that. So- uh, Anderson Pac and uh, and Bruno Mars. Oh, that's the name of that song. Band. And that song just blew up, and they were just they just performed the Grammys. You, uh, granted, you can listen to it whenever you want. And I'm sure but that there song was, was like the new pop sen- yeah. sensation. I mean, you know. And I'm so I, that still happens. Just, what do you mean? Just that? not in the sense where it's only going to be heard on the radio, or if you buy the record, you know. Oh, I still understand how that's similar. You mean like uh, that the the big wigs up in the CEOs, Warner Brothers, were like, "You're going to listen to this song now." Yeah. Oh. It still happens. Okay. But like, we also just have how. Just, just in the sense where that song was obviously produced by a big time producer, it was obviously yeah, uh, done they, through a record label yeah. by people that have a lot of money uh, ve- uh, invested into the outcome of this single and the and the album and the pr- product as a whole. And uh, yeah, so that still happens. Just now we have other options as well. They I had guess. to have already been booked at the Grammys like before the single dropped. Too. Oh, totally, like, way way before. This has been probably in the works now for the last year or two yeah, probably maybe two years even you know because um, i think about the promo rollouts and shit too that shit takes a lot of time man yeah all oh, the music all the, video and everything and then also they're just doing it in the middle of COVID. Video. like how is that supposed to happen you yeah know I mean? it's like the, those pro, the promo rollouts probably took six months just to even think of before mm-hmm. they started putting it all together which takes like another whole it's like, I'm like just like doing all this research. We're about to release an album in the next few months, so I'm like doing all this research and all this shit, and I'm just getting anxiety thinking about what they all went through Dude. to do something at that <laughs> level. It's crazy. They have teams and teams of people uh, working on that shit. No, god damn it. Are you next? How are we gonna compete, oh, no, wait. Bill? Huh? How are we gonna compete? Sell your soul, dude. Yeah. I see a sign. We see a sign with a record label. Those days aren't That's fully what he over yet. Start TikTok dancing. Yeah. All right, uh, Dave Matthews Band is one of the most underrated bands by musicians. Ah, yes, I love I'm that you're confused. on my side. Wait, 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 wait! I'm confused. Underrated by musicians? Yes. What does that because mean? Because people like them, like regular people like them, but musicians hate on them so much. Oh, musicians don't like them. Yeah. But you're a musician. Yeah. So what's your deal? The general populace of musicians. The oh, general consensus amongst musicians is that they're kind of lame. Period. Doesn't and like then, them. and you're right. There's a lot of people out there who think they're kind of cheesy and lame, but like. If you've ever played an instrument or written a song, you would know, and like ever heard like a Dave Matthews record, you would know that the songwriting is genius and the musicianship is so like next level. Why do you think people don't like him? It's popular. What? Probably because he's popular. Is it is that too? He's popular. That's also, part of it. That also, his voice. I think people don't like his voice yeah. either. I, I like his voice, and I get that that's an acquired taste. I hate Dave Matthews when I was a kid. Me too. And then someone because I was associated to, to like my parents. Let's get into and why it was do people like, hate Dave. I'll tell you why I hate Dave. A Matthews. friend of mine showed me <laughs> the uh, Big Whiskey in the Grug Grugrucked King album, which came out like in two thousand seven oh, or eight. This just or makes something. me just do this phase. Like fuck. Like, and, I don't want to hear that. And it was like. I, the first song was uh, "Shake Me Like a Monkey," and oh my god, the, like like Car Beaufort's drums on that—it's just an insane funk arrangement. And it's just like, and they were so diverse. You know, it was funk, it was singer-songwriter ballads. It's like the, across the board, they just do everything. Yeah, you're making me feel old, man. Like his his early stuff was like 
my high school days, man. Oh, really? <laughs> like under the table and dreaming, no and trash, and uh, oh, before I these credit streets. Old, bad. It's all good, man. <laughs> at least, at least, uh, yeah. Well, maybe. Well, anyway, that's a whole other story. But no, uh, like Crush, I feel like is probably their greatest song, man. And it's a great song. On, you know, just the bass line, the the opening bass line, and uh, just because it's so much fun to play and it's like asymmetrical. It's not like a typical, you know. Uh, you know, this is this section, this is this section, and yeah. it's all like equates to this forty-eight bar, you know, thing of perfection or whatever. Not forty, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 got enough. I feel like to appeal to the jazz crowd, he's got enough to appeal to the rock crowd. You know, in, in terms of other musicians. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, I mean, now he's got Jeff Coffin playing with him, man. Holy shit, that guy can play. Oh, yeah. And yeah. talk about a band that utilizes odd times and the way people can digest it. Yep. I mean, like, and then, like, I feel like Car- Carter Bofer just feels everything in 6-8. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so even if it's in 4-4, four, four, he's just uh-huh. giving you a 6-8 feel. It's just, I, that's why I groove so hard. He's so busy. Mm-hmm. And somehow Dave Matthews is also lyrically so busy, yeah. but they just make it I think work. That's what it is. I, that might be a lot of people's problems. They're just like, dude, what is this? Like, just, <laughs> just slow down. And it's not even slow down. They're playing so much so quickly. And then on top of that, they're like, hey, I'm gonna fucking scream gibberish at you for thirty. This is coming from a guy who can't listen to any, to, to to anything that's not what? house music that's under 150 BPM. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> necessarily true. Necessarily. 140. <laughs> 140. I'll get down to 140. My big thing with Dave Matthews' Sorry, band is that his name is Dave Matthews. That's it. Like That's it, it? Sh- it should be called The Dave Matthews' Band. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. His name is plural, and they're like, okay, it's not. Okay, imagine if John Mayer had a band. It's not plural. It's not, it would not be called The John Mayer Band. Right? Why not? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, <laughs> I, it would be called The John Mayer ba- Band, but it's not called The Dave Matthews Band. It's called Dave Matthews Band. I see. There's no the at the beginning of it. Mm. And so it makes, I'm just like. So that's what does it, huh? Yeah. I I was like, I was reading it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not because of that. Billy's stream of consciousness runs about as deep as a puddle I stepped in this morning. Okay. In my driveway. I'm sorry about that puddle, though. (laughs) My last last unpopular opinion is uh, John Mayer is hilarious. Is that unpopular? Um, He's probably got a lot of followers on TikTok. So he probably also think he's hilarious. He just started. Like, he's probably uh, like a million followers no, already. Well, I don't know how many he's got, but like, he, I'm not even messing around. Like, I think he started about a month ago. Yeah. Like maybe two months ago, and he's just he's uh, he's one of the funniest people on there, without a fucking doubt. Really? Uh, I'm gonna uh, follow him. Yeah. Well, he doesn't really have a lot up there, but just this kind of stuff that he has is just hilarious to me. Um, so, I I have a feeling like he's probably the coolest guy on the planet. He, I just don't like his music subjectively. That's all it comes down to. And I bet he's and he's a great guitar player too. Yeah. I just don't like his songs. <laughs> That's <laughs> all it comes down to. I've heard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I've I've heard interviews with him on podcasts and stuff like that. Is and he kind of a tool? No, he's he's just he knows how talented he is and how good he is. That's oh. kind of which is it's, he ain't it's humble. Uh, he's not very good at pretending to be humble. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, fuck it. Like, Do you get what I'm saying? Have you, have you ever I heard know interviews exactly with what him? She's and he try like he tries, and I give him credit for trying to be humble. But like he just he doesn't sell it to me. It's like I hear that you're saying that you're humble, but I don't believe you. I believe yeah. that if you, you have think that you're the shit. If you have to say it, then you're definitely not humble. No, 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 not just like he'll 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 say things like when he was on Krasno's podcast, he was talking about like 
you know, learning all the dead stuff, you know, and yeah. talking about Jerry Garcia's playing. And, oh, yeah. And he was putting Jerry Gar- Garcia on his pedestal, which is fine. But, like, I didn't believe that he felt Jerry was beyond him. I oh, felt like yeah. John Mayer feels like he probably nailed the shit, which he did. Yeah. And in some cases, another unpopular opinion, did it better than Jerry did. And uh, um, I think that he knows that. But it's just saying it. The, the you have to say that, otherwise they'll crucify him. All the dead fans. I'm not saying that he has to say that he, what he, how he actually feels. I'm just saying that I don't buy his humility. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's probably a lie. What he thinks. It can, it yeah. can be off-putting when somebody realizes how badass they are. Yeah, you know, and they don't really like, you know, skirt around that at all. You know? Yeah, it's like yeah, I'm a bad motherfucker. You're what? lucky to have me on your podcast. It's <laughs> like literally every athlete on the planet acts that way. <laughs> One time I, I made this mistake because I had uh, partied a little too hard after a show. Right, right. And uh, there was this jam afterwards, and I, and I, and I, you know, it was a really good jam, right? But I remember feeling like I played uh, especially well that night, and I had, you know, again, partied a little bit. <laughs> and afterwards, I was just like walking around the festival. Going, I fucking crushed yeah. it up there. <laughs> and I know I turned some people off that night. Yeah, and no. I was like, well, I was, I was like, mostly joking because that is a ridiculous thing to say right but if right. you don't know me then you don't know that i'm joking either you know what i mean so it's just like whoops anyways what what's you got? your unpopular yeah, opinion? You got one? so i got a couple that just come to mind That's daniel fun. craig is the best james bond out of all of them oh yeah Ooh, that is unpopular. i agree i disagree I, I i was just uh at the beginning of the year was rewatching all the ones with him in it and the the second one is amazing. See, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. That's a very unpopular. Opinion. You don't like At it? At least for me, I thought Quantum of Solace was crap. But uh, I thought Casino wait, Royale. Wait, wait. Quantum of Solace is the one after. Uh, Where's the one where at the very end he's like hanging out at his old house and they had like that big old uh, uh, fight with helicopters? I can't remember. I don't know, but I feel like Casino Royale. Not only is Daniel Craig the best Bond, I feel like Casino Royale is one of the best movies ever made. Well, that really? one's pretty yeah. good, but I've I haven't I've, watched it. I've just seen it so many, first one. so many times. Yeah, but you like him better than Sean Connery, though. Yeah, um, and but I but I, I say that with this like little footnote, like every movie that he's done other than Casino Royale, I thought Quantum of Solace was crap. I thought Skyfall was crap. I thought uh, Spectre was okay. You know, but like Casino Royale really just like cemented him as like, okay, that's James Bond from now on for me. I see what you're saying. You know, I'm a big Timothy Dalton guy. He was good. License to Kill, right? Yeah, he only had the one. The one. All right, man. Uh, I I actually never watched it. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yep. Yeah, that movie's amazing. It's like three and a half hours long, though. It's really good. I I saw the original ones from Sweden. There was like it was a trilogy, I think. Yeah. Uh, They just put them all together. yeah. Yeah. I heard that that was like really good the, the Swedish versions it were much better have you really seen the original good. have you seen the new one that they I made with Daniel Craig no good lord well, is it bad it's Trent, just Trent Reznor does the, the yeah. score it's amazing like yeah. the music's awesome and everything and then the, like, but like it is very graphic yep like insanely graphic yeah, you know, Tr- don't rough. watch it with your girlfriend Trent Reznor did the score <laughs> for uh, for Soul also did you know that that's right really? I remember seeing that yeah, yeah I was that like, doesn't make any sense alright he pulled it off though it sounded great yeah um but my favorite James Bond is for sure Pierce Brosnan. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because also like that's who I grew up watching. So it was yeah. like like those were the movies I went to go see. Like or my dad would like bring home from Blockbuster. We'd watch them, and it was like that to me was James Bond. Yeah. And then I watched. Like, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you're, are you not a Pierce Brosnan fan? He's just like the most pretty boy James Bond there. there More than ever Daniel was, Craig, man. you think Dude. so? Yeah, Daniel Craig looks like he just went ten rounds with Mike Tyson in yeah. every fucking scene he's in. He looks beat up. <laughs> 
Well, I guess I was, maybe it's a nostalgia <laughs> thing, man. I don't know. Maybe I think you rewatch Golden them. Golden was entertaining, man. I'll yeah. say that. You know, yeah, and, none of those movies are good, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 like you, uh, and I'll say, I'll say all these new bombs are really great, but the uh, uh, Goldfinger, though, is like one of the best movies of all time. And yeah, then my, great. You Only Live Twice is my favorite one where he uh, uh, goes to Japan and then fakes his own death and then <laughs> has surgery to look Japanese and they literally just put like mascara on him. <laughs> And it's so cringeworthy because it's in the middle of the 60s and like super racist, but (laughs) it's hilarious. And Roald Dahl actually wrote the script for it. He wrote, yeah, he wrote uh, 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 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and all those other children's books, you know, where the sidewalk ends and a light in the attic. And uh, wasn't that Roald Dahl? No, 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 that was was Silverstein. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, but he he wrote that one. uh, The BFG, right? Yeah, the BFG and Matilda. That's my favorite book. Uh, Matilda? Yeah. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was my favorite book when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, thanks for being on the show today, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, man. This was this was fun, for I, sure. Uh, didn't know what to expect, man, but just sitting here and talking shit. We for never really do either. It's so. just fun, man. You <laughs> never I know what to expect, this. honestly. We haven't yeah. had a bad episode yet. It's always been fun. Speak Good. for yourself. So. <laughs> there's, been, there's, been a, there's been a couple. Man. <laughs> no, get the fuck out of here. Nah, <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. Adios, muchachos.